On today's episode, Dave interviews actor Jimmy Crane. Jimmy is the host of Improv Nerd and the co-author of Improvising Better, a guide to the working improviser. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. What do you mean, it's mine? He lost it. I mean, he's, he's 87. Okay. And he decided one day, well, first off, <laughs> he's, he got connected to some woman who's in her 30s, a gypsy lady, literally uh-huh. a gypsy, who scammed him out of 400 grand. Which part of that was yours? I don't take any of it. I got. You the wouldn't table. have gotten any of that. I don't think so. I never thought about it. Actually, to be to be honest I with would you, have Jimmy, been, I, I think I think to be honest with you, I thought I would get his house. I thought I would get his house in Beverly. Did she get it too? No, she didn't get that. We were able to nail. We were able to go before anything would happen. So he went missing one day, and he was gone for two days, wandering around, and we found him. And he was a fucking mess. And at that point, we went, we've got to get you out of, our, out of your house. So we got him out of his house. He's in an assisted living facility next to the Hollywood Bowl, um, which is really beautiful. Belmont Village is called. And, um, oh, Belmont Village, it's, it's, it's a chain. I it's think. a chain. You can yes. trust him, as you used to say in <laughs> yeah. that Second City. It's a and, chain. You, know, you can he, trust he, he went, him. And he'll transfer him to any Belmont Village in the country. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like a timeshare. Yeah, yeah. It's like a timeshare. Yeah. But he's in a place, he's in, he's in uh, lockdown, but they have this Orwellian name of it called the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So he's in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so we get to... Oh, yes, because I had an uncle who was in Bel- about another Belmont village. And another uncle. Yeah, and uh, I used to call it Belmont Farms, and it mm-hmm. would drive my mom nuts. But, mm-hmm. uh, and then they have, it's like an old-fashioned village. It's like, there was like a little, uh, like an old-fashioned popcorn machine and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, they have and that And they upstairs. put the, the Alzheimer's yeah. people, and they call it the village. Yeah. Not no. to be mistaken with uh, Greenwich Village. No, no. no. But there are some crazy people over there. Yeah, I just want to tell you that we're, yeah. we've started. I know. The moment that I, we started, yeah. we started. So uh, I was just in Greenwich Village, and there's crazy fucking people there. Right. But there's crazy people here too. There are crazy people here too. I mean, even the old people are kind of crazy looking. Well, you? I yeah, I I I look at people and I just whenever I see a crazy person, I look at them and I sing the song. You're a crazy person. You're a crazy person. Crazy person. It's the same song as. Uh, uh, you need a sort of sleeper, sort of, sort of sleeper, sort of sleeper. But it, you insert the words crazy person. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of an American mattress. We don't have that. Oh, we don't have that. Okay. We don't have that. Okay. American mattress, American mattress, run away with me. Right? Yeah. Same thing? No, what, it's a little. Uh, what, so what's happening? What are you doing here? What's happening? Uh, I'm, I'm out a- here to do uh, my, my podcast, Improv Nerd. It's so exciting. Yes, it is. Well, I'm terrified, Dave. Why? LA always scares me. So we're doing three shows, uh, doing Beer Shark Mice tonight at I.O. All of them? Well, I think like four out of the six. You know, I think it's uh, Pat Finn. Uh, Neil Flynn is a maybe. Uh, Paul Valancourt, Pete Holney, uh, Mike Coleman. So and Kettner's Paul... no longer with them, I don't think, or he comes on a... But Paul wasn't part of that. Not originally. And right. then Dave stepped down or he's Dave got real Dave Keckner got really busy, so now Paul stepped in to do that. It's crazy. Did you ever think Keckner? Did you ever think Keckner? I mean I love Keckner. I love his work. But I never you know Keckner better than I know Keckner. Right? Okay, I'll tell I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. Dave is the most driven person that I know. Now it's it's funny. Hands down? No. I think uh, no, not hands down. I think uh, back in Chicago, I think Mike Myers was one of the most driven people I ever Absolutely. knew. Absolutely. I mean, he would—he was just so focused, you know. Um, Mike. Mike Myers. Yes. Yeah. Incredibly focused. Yes. 
Which, when I look back, I wish I was more focused. You can't be anything but what it is that you are. You can't wish that. So, Why do you want to wish that? Why are you spending your time wishing that? I love to beat myself up, Dave. I know you do, yeah, and yeah. I hear it on your podcast, and I just want to go, Jimmy, come on now. Right. Because, you know, like, like, you are very respectful of everyone on your podcast, and... And, 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 and I look at you and I think, you are, you are equal to all of those people Dave, that you have. But Dave, I'll tell podcast. you, that's been part of the po uh, process with the po podcast. When I first started, I'd be like, oh, just do my, you know, I, I thought it was such a favor for people to do my podcast. I, I, for I people it. that do podcasts. Uh-huh, and it is. The, the hardest part is to ask the people to be on the show. Like, you asked Colbert, and I thought, oh, my God. Yeah. I can't imagine what that was but like. But here's the thing. My asking Colbert was it was it was a it was um it was a journey, it was a journey because I just I the email address that I had didn't work anymore the phone number that I had didn't work anymore so I had to go through Ian Foley who is our producer Ian Foley found the woman that was his uh, assistant's friend or something and then I got together with the assistant's friend and and I got to tell you Jimmy what you're what you're saying about making that call I got nervous. And this is a guy that was at my wedding, you know, and we toured together and got high together and did all that shit together. And it's like, uh, but I'm trying to get in touch with Carell. Well, can, can I tell you, I try to get in touch with Carell too. Mm -hmm. And I had to do it, I'm in group therapy in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went into group therapy and, and said, I'm gonna make, cause you, we both know Charlie uh, Hartout, yeah. uh -huh. uh, who's the, his, his Carousel Productions, I think he yeah. is the top guy there. Yeah, he's, he's one of the top guys. So I said, okay, I, eight, eight other guys were in group therapy, my therapist, and I made the phone call. And Charlie took my phone call and uh -huh. he said, I'll get back to you. Steve's schedule looks like it's pretty busy. And right. he eventually got back to me because he's doing Anchorman too. He, he couldn't do it. But right. what that led to was then me saying, okay, if I could go for Carell, maybe I should try Andy Richter, who I'd worked with at the Annoyance and the Comedy Underground. And Andy... Andy was like, he got back to me an hour and said, sure, I'll do it Saturday, so. I've been trying to get in touch with Andy. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk to you about that later, yeah, but I've been trying yeah. to get in touch with Andy through all these other ways, and I haven't been able to get in touch with him. I, the direct route is Brian Stack. Direct route. Yeah, yeah. But I, when I was on the phone with Charlie, at one point I said, I said, because it's so hard to say, w w could Steve do the show or I'd like Steve yeah, to do the show? Right. And then I just said at one point, I said, Charlie, I'm really afraid right now. I'm really scared, <laughs> you know? And my therapist is like, oh, you know what? Your, you know, your shtick of being the insecure guy and the Woody Allen guy really kind of works, you know? Um, it works for you. Well, but it works. It works because you you've you've made that discovery a long time ago that that can work for you. Right. This is not news. No. It's not news. But yeah, and the reason that it works for you, the reason that it works for you is you're good at it. You know that you do it. Uh -huh. And I'm not saying you're a manipulator. I'm not. No. It's just that when when you've got a shtick, not a shtick. It is a shtick, Dave. But it's it, a total shtick. But the shtick is based also in uh, it's based in a reality, isn't it? it? You, I can't do a shtick that I don't, at the core of it, think that I've got a ground It's method stick. It is method stick, it is method stick, but it is method stick. And I guess say what you want about, about method, but it works for us in real life outside of right. this, because I don't think But I'll tell you something, Dave, I wanna let go of that. And that's why like improv nerds, you know, like from the beginning- Wait, of wait, wait, wait. If you wanna let go of it, you've already let go of it. Okay. Do you understand? If you want an epiphany, you fucking had the epiphany. Do you understand right. what I mean? If you go, I, I wanna let go of it, it means that you're looking at it now as, you're, it's not a mystery, you're looking at it, you're able to hold on to it, you recognize it, you're, 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 you're at one with it, and you're able to go, I can let go of that. 
Because all that you have to do is be aware of when it happens. And then go, oh, I'm doing that. And then you go, oh, I remember? Remember me? I wanted to let go of that? Here's my time. This is my chance. Yeah, it's really hard for me to do. If you keep saying that, then it's going to fucking be hard to do. Because right now you're engaging in how hard it is to do. Right. You know, you're not engaging in letting go of it. Right now you're engaging in thinking about how hard it is to do. Mm -hmm. So you think that you're close to it, but you're not. Okay, good. You're not far away from it. No. Am I making I'm sense? resting. I'm just resting. You're never resting. Jimmy Corain never rests. Remember that. that that's a meme. Jimmy Corain never rests. Mm -hmm. So you were saying, I'm, I'm cutting you all over. Where, where are we? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's called ADD, which oh, allows yeah. us to well, fucking go Well, I think the thing is about learning, like the whole asking process, mm -hmm. even if uh, uh, Carell doesn't do it, or, or uh, it, it's about asking because it's setting you up for the, for the next thing. Exactly. But I've, I have the hardest time asking. <sighs> yeah, I used to, and now I don't. Because, because, and how many episodes do you have? Oh, my God. Uh... We got a lot in the can. We probably have done 38. Yeah, I think that's how many we've done as yeah. well. And what I've, what I've realized is as time goes on, it's true of so many things where you say, oh, at first it was difficult to do, and then as it went on, people started to listen to it, and people started to understand it. And when people understood it, then I knew what my voice was. And when I said what my voice was, then it was a selling point. It's like, this is what the show's about. The show is about me talking to my friends uh, or talking to people that I'm inspired by and to say, can you believe that you're doing this right now? And that's what I do. But I'm, I'm not afraid of it anymore, although there are certain people I go, um... Oh, who would you be afraid of? Uh, I would like to have... Who would I be afraid of? Who would I be afraid of? Yeah, to have. Um, I would be... It wouldn't be who would I be afraid of. It's who, who I would take some time to obsess over and then it would take me a while to pull the trigger, but I would eventually have the gun. I would, uh, I would have the gun... You know, just to keep that metaphor going. Um, uh, who would I be afraid of? Who would I... Well, Carell keeps going because... And I don't know why Carell, because he's a friend. And again, we, we were together and we hung out together. We weren't together, but we hung out together. But do you do this? Because I, I do this. I, I can only speak for myself. I idealize. Like, I look at somebody like Steve Carell or Mike Myers or Kechner mm -hmm. or all these people and go... Or Nia Vardolas. Mm -hmm. And you're like... What, what am I doing wrong? How did they get See, to that it. point? Right. right. You're not doing anything wrong. They just got to that point. Right. But what, what am I doing that's getting in my way? Why do you think something's in your way? Uh, that, uh, nothing's in your way. And it's evident that nothing's in, in your way because you're right here right now. You are with me right here right now right. in L.A. doing what it is that you love to do. So you know what's not in your way? Your detritus and garbage but do in your you shell. Ever, do you ever compare yourself to other people? I used to a long time ago. How did you get rid of that? Because I got rid I'm, of that. This is how I got rid of okay. it. I'm going to tell you how I got okay. rid of it. Because look at all the people that I know that are motherfucking in the atmosphere right. of going, Whoa, the ether. It's like, are you kidding? Um, Plus you're in L.A. and I think it's a lot harder to be in L.A. for people to be successful than to be in Chicago. This is what happens. Okay. If I want to compare myself to somebody, if I want to compare myself to somebody, and this is the model that I use every time. Okay. If I want to compare myself to somebody and say their success is great, why don't I have success like that? This is what I think about. Steve Colbert, his, two, his father and two of his brothers were killed in a plane crash. Uh-huh. I can't have everything. You understand what I mean? Yeah. If I want to have that life... That tragedy, that deep tragedy goes with it. Mm -hmm. And I go, no, it's impossible. It's impossible. And here's another thing. My journey is my journey, and, every, and I deal with, with humor and compassion, so no matter what the fuck happens, I go, well, I'm doing this. I thought I'd be doing that. Isn't that an interesting thing to think about? I have no expectations anymore. I have none. 
I have no expectations. And that's what you know. I, I like about you, and I like about your podcast because I get the sense you are really happy mm -hmm. teaching. Mm -hmm. This is your place. Mm -hmm. if, you know, because you came out here to act like most people, right? Um, and but I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a plan. What do you mean you didn't have a plan? I thought you had expectations. I had expectations, but I, I had expectations which which after a while made me fucking crazy. And then after a while, I went, I have no expectations. I can't have any expectations, but I didn't have a plan. Carell had a plan, Colbert had a plan, Amy Sedaris had a plan, Jackie Hoffman had a plan, Brian McCann had a plan, Keckner had a plan. Mm -hmm. All of their plans were this, and they were just expectations. Their plan was this, I am going to continue to, to follow that which brings me joy. Mm -hmm. And Carell always wanted to be a movie star. Okay. Jackie Hoffman always wanted to be a fucking Broadway actress. I was just in New York talking to her. Uh -huh. um, Keckner always wanted to be a famous motherfucker, right? Uh -huh. Right? He had a plan. So when, not a plan, but he had a confidence. Vision. He had a, a vision. vision. Yes. A vision. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that vision probably changed after a while, uh -huh. right? And it, and it and altered and it changed. And I think that, and we've talked about a lot on the podcast is, your expectations are always going to fuck you over. They're always going to fuck you over. Mm -hmm. And you know because you, you're, I mean, I know that you're in therapy because you mentioned it. Right. And I know other things about you. But right. the, th that sort of stuff where you go, your expectations are, are, lead you to your disappointments. Mm -hmm. No expectations, no disappointments. That's, right. a, that's a thing that Mick Napier said years ago. And I mm -hmm. thought, what the fuck does that mean? Right. And then after a while I went, I know exactly what that means. Because my expectations are this thing that where when I have an expectation, it's like, I have to stay on this road, but I don't like this road, but I have to stay on the road. Why? Because I set up an expectation. What if I went off the road a little bit? Oh, now, oh, that's interesting, and that's interesting, and that's interesting. Well, you said something to me about teaching that, that I loved. I had called you for some help, and you said at the end of the conversation, you said, you said, teaching, we get paid for being ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a, what a great job that is mm -hmm. to have. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm out here, you know, I'm going to do the three improv nerd shows, and I'm also going to be teaching a, or teaching a workshop. Oh, good. And i got to tell you something, Dave. Part of me is more excited about teaching the workshop than it is, you know, doing improv nerd. And I, 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 I don't know what that says about me uh, right now, but I, I find that, that fascinating. I, I could not agree with you more. When I was just in New York, I loved, because I did a show with Ed Hertzman and Rachel Hamilton, and that was a great show, and I really had a great time. But it was the teaching. And this is what happened with teaching. Teaching has become a, such a large part of my artistry. Of my acting mm -hmm. has been teaching because I could see the look on somebody's face when I get to them. The look of where they say, they'll say something like, oh, I'm really, really, wait a minute, I get what you're saying. And you go, oh, that's it right there. Right. And that's the joy that I get out of what it is that I'm doing. So every time I go to somewhere, and you wrote, you know, you've written a book, you've got your style. I know right. that you probably have changed since you yeah. wrote that book. You've evolved in your, in your style of teaching and let, what you let, focus on. Let, let's hope. What's that? Let's hope well, we about yeah. But it's true, you yeah. know. So you've done that. And so for me, I'm, I'm thinking, and you've got the same, you and I are very, on very, very similar paths because we both teach in Chicago. We both teach what it is that we teach. So we're not connected to anybody else's business. Right. Does that make sense? And because we're not connected to anybody else's business, it allows us to unfold, unfurl, evolve that thing. And also, we're, we're, we're excited to go, I want to try this. And here are these people that are paying me to go, here's an idea. And they go, okay. And then I get excited about it. And then I walk away going, great. And then here's another thing that happens. They do this. You changed my life. Yeah, you get a lot of that. Well, like, don't you? Um, yes, I do. I have a hard time taking that in. Why? 
Um, because deep down, I feel like I'm a piece of shit. And I, but I, you know that you're not. <laughs> Thanks. Because if you did, you wouldn't keep doing what you're doing. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. Right. But, uh, but, I'm, but you're sitting in front of me. You're smiling. You're not an angry person. Right. Everybody that oh, knows I, you. Oh, Dave, I don't kid. I've got so much anger. I just push it down. But, but uh, you know what comes out, though, Jimmy? What? Not that. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like I like everything if you want to keep pushing down, you gotta say that. But those are those times that you're angry are the exceptions rather than the rule, aren't they? I think I'm I'm Do you think you're do you, if you were gonna balance it out, not that you have to, right. not balance it out. If you were gonna if you were going to weigh it out, what weighs more? The times that you are angry or the times that you are joyful? Or the, the times, times that, that I'm angry, the probably the times that I'm angry. That joy more, is a hard thing. Okay, then let's not joy, say joy. joy. But but happiness or whatever, joy is a really so. hard thing uh -huh. for me to 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 get. Okay, it's really it's very hard for me to access it. I don't laugh, Dave. I uh -huh. mean, you you make me laugh. Uh -huh. Richard Label makes me laugh, and I'm mm -hmm. glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> Richard Label. Um, uh, you know, there, but it's, laughter is really hard. You know, for me to do as well. Do you find though? that you are more mindful or more in your head? Because that's a different way to put it. In terms are, you, of, are you more a present and aware of the world going around you? Or are you going, why is this not this way? Why is this not this way? Why is this not this way? It, it all depends. There's some days that, you know, that I'm mindful. Got it. And there's some, I mean, it's like a teaching. For three, it depends. You know, sometimes I'll be teaching a class and, I, you know, I'll be somewhat distracted. Right. I don't know. And then sometimes I am just there and I'm improvising along with them. And right. that, and I don't know for you, I don't prepare anymore for class, mm -mm. you know? Right. I mean, the preparation is usually in the marketing. And after that, you know, it's like I'm showing up. You're, we're we're going to improvise together. Right. And I don't know if that's just years of doing it, but I think it's unfair really to come in and, and have a sib uh, uh, you know, like, here's my lesson plan. Right. Because when I did that, because I'm a control freak, and uh -huh. I think a lot of improvisers are control freaks, and we're doing this to be more in the moment, to let go of control. Uh -huh. Because, the, and so I don't come in with a lesson plan anymore. I come in and go, okay, and I come in and watch them do zip zaps up or some warm up games and go, okay, where is their energy? Where does their energy want them to take me? Right. You know? Right. That's what I find exciting. It's really exciting because you have, you've, you've taken your, you've taken your life and made it into your art. You've taken your business and made it into your art. You've taken your art and made it into your business. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. That's what you've you done. You sounded like Martin there. Well, you but aren't we all, don't we all have that Martin DeMott in us? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, 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 he, and people who don't know, Martin DeMott, and I don't know if you agree, to me he was one of the best improv teachers I ever had. Yes, absolutely. You but know? because his improv, like anybody else's improv or anybody that's an, that's an art teacher or a muse or a mentor or something like that, it wasn't about the improv. It was never about the improv. No. Which I, I, I would be curious on how you felt, because I'd like to talk about this too. Martin DeMott, Del Close. That's a really interesting thing, because I was talking to somebody about this the other day. Um, oh, Rachel Hamilton. Okay. And, because, and she, so funny that you should say that, because Del Close and Martin, there is, a, there is a part that they cross over in the Venn diagram. Yes. And that part is... Though neither one of them would probably acknowledge no, it. No, 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 no. And now, yes, neither of them would, would acknowledge it. But at the same, I mean, Del's way... Del's like this. And Martin's like this, and he's very in. But what, where they cross over is the idea of being present, being in the moment, taking chances, and knowing that if there's a problem, there's a solution. 
musician. And that's what I loved about both those guys. Mm -hmm. I also love that about Donnie DiPolo, mm -hmm. uh, who a lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know. I mean, there's like all these people, it's up to you and me. It's up to so many. I know Amy Seeley and all these other teachers that I know. It's up to us to keep those guys' names alive and aloft and, and present mm -hmm. because people look at what we do and I think people look at what we do and they go, ah, oh, Jimmy's, you know, Jimmy's got, where did he come up with all this stuff? But we're, again, we're all on the shoulders of those people that brought us here. And I have always been one to say, replace uh, ambition with gratefulness, but really have gratefulness. Mm -hmm. And I am so fucking grateful. And you've got to be grateful too. There's days, Dave, that I am to I, I'm completely grateful. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. And, you know, the thing about... Uh, like right now. I'm very grateful. Right. Here I am, you know, what is this? Can we give the location? Absolutely. I, okay, it's, it's not a secret Is it Hancock Park? This is, we're, it's, it's Larchmont Village. Larchmont Village. I mean, oh, I'm we're, here We're two you. blocks away from Paramount Studios. Okay. So we're living the dream. And the we, other day I went uh, and did yoga uh, in Beverly Hills. You know Cara McNamara? Mm -hmm. Do you know her? Mm -hmm. She was teaching a, a free yoga class. Here I am in Los Angeles, in Beverly Hills, doing yoga with right. my wife. You right. can't get any better than no. that. No. You know. No, no. And, and look at that. Look at all that. I mean, right. that sentence is full. It's a basket full of gratefulness. Cara right. um, McNamara. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on now. What? I mean, just being in her presence and she teaches a yoga class. Are yeah. you kidding me? In Beverly Hills. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Your wife. Are you kidding me? You yeah. have a wife. Are you kidding right. me? You're here to do, I, but you're here to do all that great shit because you set it up. Right. And for you to go, well, I didn't think I was going to no, be here. No, I will say this, Dave. I truly believe this, and I hope people that are listening to, to believe this. I can't do stuff alone. The reason I'm out here is because I have a producer for Improv Nerd, uh -huh. and, and I have a wonderful supportive wife, mm -hmm. and she's like, you need to get bigger, you need to go out to LA. And I'll tell you something, I am terrified. I'm terrified of doing the shows. Uh -huh. I'm not that scared of doing the workshops, believe uh -huh. it or not. Uh -huh. But I need someone to push me, because I can't do it alone. If, if it was up to me, I would still be in Chicago. I, I wouldn't have made this trip. Um, it's, that's really intriguing. That's really, really interesting. Because you are, if you didn't want to do it, you wouldn't do it. Well, I, ne I believe that, that I need support to do it. That oh, people can't that, do it alone. Right. And I think, you know, like with my podcast or my teaching is like, I, especially with the podcast, it's like, I want people, like Kechner came on the show. Mm -hmm. and he, and he, I don't know if you heard that yeah, episode. Yeah, I did. And he talked about this do you remember this part yes. where, where they were doing Anchorman? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they yeah. all went home thinking that, that, you know, everybody, you know, Carell was stealing the movie, Will Ferrell was stealing the movie, and, and then they met, meet in a trailer and they say, hey, we all, you know, let's admit it, we all thought you were stealing the movie, I was stealing the movie, whatever. And to me, that's like, that's an extension of my teaching. And mm -hmm. I want people to know that where you are and where I'm at and where Susan Messing is and McNapier and, you know, Dave Koechner and, and Joe Bill Joe and, Bill and, Sutton, and Mike, Joel right? Murray and Brian Tech, we, they all suffer, we all suffer from insecurity and fear and all that. Right. And we've overcome it and we continue to overcome it, but it's there. And I never got that when I started out. I never got, like you were really good to me and Mark Beltzman was really good uh -huh. to me. Believe it or not, Scott Allman was really good to me. Yeah, sure. I mean, Allman, you know, for all, and I love Scott Allman, but if he looked out for you, he took care of you. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. I remember sitting with you at the Stagecoach, which is no longer there in McDonald's. Old Town. 
Yeah, which is a McDonald's. Right. And you're like, you, you know, I was probably like 25 or something living at home. And mm -hmm. you're like, you got to move out of your house. Mm -hmm. You got to move out and come down and do this. Right. And that's the kind of help and support that, that, you know, that I needed at that time. But you also said yes to that. Yes. You were ready for that and you said yes to but that. But I needed people like you to, to say that. And, and that's what, like with the podcast and my teaching mm -hmm. and even my blog, that's what I want to share with people. Because we didn't, you know, people don't understand when we started out, the community was tiny. Right. And when people say to me, oh, who's the next Del Close? I'm like, that's not going to happen because <laughs> because he you know he was a you know there was a band of what you know maybe sixty improvisers that right. followed him right you know and so now we're all taking parts of Dell and teaching them right you know and it's 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 not just Chicago it's all across the country it's crazy that's crazy to me you know that it's all across the country because when you're in Chicago you're you're a Chicago guy yeah you know and uh, I'm a Chicago guy Joel Murray is a Chicago guy Pat Finn is a Chicago guy like uh. Stack? Chicago guy. Chicago guy. Like, there's a bunch of Chicago guys. And what we started right there, it's just a crazy thing that was happening. Yeah. And then it just blew up, and you go, every fucking little place has an improv uh, fest. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what? What? Yep. And who would have thought any of this was possible? Who would have said, one day, your phone, camera, recorder, videotape, <laughs> is going to be a radio that you program what you want, including radio shows that your friends are putting together. And you go, what the fuck are you talking about? How could any of that be possible? And we are all writing and saying, yes, you said you've got a podcast, you've got a blog, you're out here teaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of that is because we are eating the fuck out of this life right now. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Well, I think yes, and I think we're passionate about improv. And I, right. the thing that I like about you and and, and uh, that it's not you're not just teaching improv. No, you know, and that you know, like my experience in recovery and my experience in in group relations stuff and my experience in in therapy, I'm bringing that to improv. Like I, you know, like I remember this was years ago. This is before everybody was teaching. You remember Second City had like this business theater. Do you remember yeah. this? And yeah, now yeah. it's like they're teaching workshops. But it was yes. like. I was at the beginning of that when they were doing workshops and people would be like, oh, I'm not going to teach a workshop or, you know, and it's like to these corporate people. Now, there's mm -hmm. tons of money in corporate improv and it's become an industry in itself. Right, right. But it's like, who would have thought that like, we, you know, you can go into corporations and teach them. They're never been exposed to this, the concept of yes and or listening or any of this. Or stuff. mindfulness or presentness of the idea of you exist. Yes. And that you can go in and go, I'm going to, am I really, because I've heard you say you're not really teaching improv. Right. You know, and I like to see like the therapeutic part of it. Not like I'm teaching therapy, but there's a lot of stuff that comes up that it's like, you know, uh, there was a woman in one of my classes and she's like, oh, you know, I'm dealing with perfectionism. I mm -hmm. love my students to speak my process, yeah. their process, because I never got that. Right. Like, do you, we, you know, like in Dell's class, if you ever said you were afraid, I mean, everybody was afraid. Right. I mean, at least I was. Right. And if you ever would have said, I'm afraid, I mean, it would have just gone, it, it just, nobody would have gotten it, you know? <laughs> but I, I like, I had one woman, I remember I was teaching the Artist Low Comedy at Second City, and the woman said, I, she had done this great scene and she said, I am so glad that I did a good scene because I had a lot of anger towards you last week or whatever. That's the kind of stuff that, that's the kind of stuff that they're going to make breakthroughs. Right. You know? Right. That's the kind of stuff I'm after. Right. You know? I had one woman, it was in a workshop. It's all was, women. You yeah, mentioned three well, women. Well, because I, I, 
I have a lot of women issues. I had one woman, <laughs> uh, she was an older woman from Evanston, and mm -hmm. as you know, Evanston is kind of progressive and right. liberal. And she was very proper. And I had a younger guy, and she was doing. He was doing a scene with her. They were at a, a table, and she, she uh, he goes across like he's taking her bra off or uh -huh. sw swiping at her boobies. You know, I, I just, just take that thought for just a second if you're listening. Uh, and so Oof. she emailed me later, and she said she was so upset. She's like, "I've taken Piven, which Burn Piven was Burn a well-known acting Piven. school in Evanston, right. and also the voice of Uncle Ben's Rice. That's what I was doing. Uncle, Uncle Ben's Ben, imported right. rice, and everything. I took classes with him. Everything was lament. <laughs> and you have a Dave. You have a marvelous instrument. You know, that's what he would say. Um, well, Byrne and Jane and oh my uh, God. Jeremy yes. and all that. They, they've done, and the Cusacks. Yes. Crazy family. They're like the Barrymore Lights. Yes, uh, of uh -huh. Chicago. The yeah. Barry, the Barry Lasses. So this woman called me and she was totally upset. Mm -hmm. she, she was really angry. She had been triggered by this thing. And so um, I was like, oh, God, what, you know, I felt shame like I'd done something wrong. She was my mom because she was an older woman. Uh -huh. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever taken this kind of stuff on. No. And then I went to my therapist and he's like, okay, this makes sense. I remember months, you know, months ago I had been in therapy and I talked about this, this incident I had when I was younger where I, where I like hit my mom's boobies. We were on vacation in the back seat of a car. We were going to go to McDonald's uh, for lunch. And I like jokingly nudged my mom's boobies. Well, my dad said, you stay in the car and you're not going to go to McDonald's. Oh my God, shame. Yes. So I was holding on to all that shame for all right, those years. Right, right, right. And so uh, my therapist said, you blo blocked out. Now I'm also a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Uh -huh. So that factors into it. But that stuff healed me when right. I emailed her back and said, you know what? I wasn't, you know, I blacked out. If I was in a better state, I would have told you to say something stronger to him, right. like, fuck you, don't do this to me, or right. whatever. But that, I mean, that, that was helping her, but it was also helping me. And right. that's the stuff mm. that I think is so powerful in terms of teaching, where people, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's bullshit, but I really believe it. I learn from my students. Yes. And that's the kind of stuff that we learn from our students. Right. It might not be acting related, it might be life related. I think that if you teach trigonometry, it's probably harder to learn from your students, but I could be wrong. But because we are up there on stage with our actors, because when you are on stage, I am with you up there. I am, I am with you and the choices that you make. When I, when I give a note to somebody, I'll, when I stop a scene, I'll say, I'll stop a scene and I'll say, um, uh, I'm up here with you, I know what you're doing. I totally understand what you're doing. I've done what you're doing. And I'm gonna tell you, it's okay that you did it, and I'm gonna say why these other choices work. I am with you up there. And I am also noticing when somebody has an, I'm gonna say this in a very light way, if I can, someone's having an episode of ego running their life in some way. And when I say ego, I don't necessarily, I mean the ego that pulls you down. I don't mean the ego that blows you up and like I'm a great person. That when I watch somebody do that, I'm going, I'm gonna stop you here. Why did you do that? Because I'm afraid. Good, be afraid, it's okay. But if you're going to be afraid, know that you've got to run with that fear. If you don't, you're going to try to quash it and that you're going to try you're going to try to deny it and you cannot deny certain things in work in the world and the work that we do is really about uh my uh how do i feel right now and for me to be okay with what i'm feeling right now the one that i see th that is anger mm -hmm. people are afraid to be angry on stage right why and you know why what wh because what do you think? because because of the rule uh, don't have an argument scene 
That's why. Uh-huh. I think that that's one of the reasons. Like, don't argue, don't argue. It's like, what the fuck well, are you talking all, about? Right. All you have to do is, uh, what I tell people is heighten the anger and agree through, through the argument. Right. But I think also it's a societal thing. Yeah. People are afraid to be angry. I've taught uh, in like beginning classes, mm-hmm. I've, I've taught like uh, pet peeve rant or something right. like that. I'm like, you gotta get angry. You gotta yeah. get more angry. Right. And right. people right. just, they will right. be, they will have such a reaction to anger. Anger is, anger Try is not just- Try teaching in Canada, man. Try teaching in Canada. Is it anything like Minnesota? Very. It's okay. Minnesota heavy. Because okay. <laughs> like everybody's so fucking polite up there. It's like, stop it. Stop right. it. Just stop it. And I had one guy, I think I mentioned before, I had one guy, he's like, be angry at her. Are you angry? Yeah, be angry at her. Yell at her. Call her name. Call her name. And so she called, he called her sp- spendthrift. Right. Like, what kind of, what did you, like, right. I didn't ask you be angry in 1840. Right. Like, be angry now. Yeah, but I think anger is, it, it, it's not only, I agree with you, it's the, you know, we, we can't have arguments on stage, and, you know, who wants to be angry, you know? We can have arguments on stage, and sometimes we have arguments on stage, and some people ask questions on stage, and some people, but I think that what happens is, and, and, and God bless everybody, God bless everybody, um, but I do believe that we're teaching the wrong people uh, we're, we're teaching, I, I think that we're misdirecting some of the teaching that we have to do. Because if you ask a question of me on stage, and I, chances are every, every teacher is gonna go, you asked a question. Right. It's like, what we have to teach people is, I don't want an answer. If I ask you a question, I don't want you to answer the fucking question. I want you to hear what I'm saying. So if I say to you, what are you doing? I don't want you to tell me what you're doing. I want you to hear in my tone what I'm saying. Do you understand what I mean? So when I say, what are you doing? What am I asking you to say? You're, well, you're, you're kind of chiding me a little I'm not chiding you. I'm, I'm not kind of chiding you. I'm fucking chiding you. Uh-huh. So at that moment, you get to say, why are you chiding me? Right. Because I don't want the answer. I want you to hear that I'm chiding you. So I ha- I, I'm, instead of us teaching the person not to ask questions, we need to teach the other person to receive the emotional content that's being offered in that moment. Because it's not being... It's not being offered. Well, and the other thing is, you know, you know, the longer you teach, you know when people are just asking questions rapidly because they're afraid to be on stage versus something that has more substance to it. Certainly, but I will say at that moment, it's a different note. My note is, if you keep asking questions, you're holding your place and it's not working. What are you feeling right now? What are you feeling right now? What are you feeling right now? And if you tell me I don't know, that is just gonna have me dig deeper and to get you to open your fucking mouth you, and say something. See, the thing is, you work really hard, and I'm at this point where I don't, I really wanna turn it more over to the, st- to the students because I am tired of working so hard. <laughs> because Gelman gave me something once. I, mm-hmm. I was teaching yep. uh, at Second City and I would do, uh, it was crazy, like a back-to-back classes. Mm-hmm. So three hours, then you didn't get a break, you went for another three hours. Right. Right. And, I, and Gelman was doing this, you know, Michael Gelman is a great teacher. Great teacher. And I know, I know it was a big uh, influence of you. Yes. And so uh, I said to him once, I said, Michael, I said, I'm leaving here drained and whatever. And, you know, and, and he's been doing the back and backs for years. And he said, when you know that you're doing it right when you leave and you feel invigorated from your students. Right. And when I try too hard, when I try to force something or you know my agenda, they're not getting it. Like if they're not getting it, I have to make the adjustment. They don't have to make the adjustment. Right. And the easier I am on myself, the easier, it, the better it's gonna be for the class. And the guy who's a genius, I think, and I don't know if you ever got to work with Norm Holly at Second yes. City. I didn't get to work with him, but I know him. He directed me in a show called God Show, which was Tim O'Malley's. Yes, I saw the show. And the thing that was amazing... And Michael Gelman. 
Yeah, Michael Gelman was in it. Right. And there's a great story. Gelman had not acted in like 20 years. Right. And he goes, and he was really nervous, and he was trying to get his lines down, and, and, and you know, he had to come in and come, you know, into the, it was the kitchen, he had to come to the kitchen and make an entrance and an exit, and he just couldn't get it. And Norm just said, you know what, Michael, for the whole show, you're going to sit in the chair. Just sit in the chair. And later, people were like, Norm, that was genius. That was genius making him sit in the chair. But what I learned from that was, Norm took what he had right. and he, 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 he threw out his agenda. Right. And he said, this, I, my job is to make the actor look good. My job is to make him as comfortable as possible. Right. It doesn't matter. My ego doesn't matter. Right. And, and Norm would say the fewest words ever and get the most out of actors. And Absolutely. that's my goal is in side coaching or working is, is to do that. Because sometimes I see, you know, I'll say something and they won't get it. Right. And, you know, that, you know, I... I want to be that guy that, that can just say a couple words. And they, they That's great. I, for me, I'm like, I'm going to fucking tack the shit out of you. I'm fucking all over you. Do you, you. talk a lot in class? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like, not like Dell did. Uh, no, but at the beginning of each one of my classes, I'll take five minutes to talk about what the fuck's going on. Okay. And why I'm going to teach what it is that I'm going to teach. Okay. Because I get to teach everything. It's like, you know, I was walking down the street and I saw somebody running and it made me think, how much energy do you really need? Mm -hmm. And let's take, take a moment right now just to think about how much energy you spend, you know, that's also, how much energy you spend doing something. So you're already starting preparing for the class as you're walking down the street. Well, I'll tell people that. Right. <laughs> um... Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> or if you want to say it's like I wait until I'm walking to class, down, you know, out of my car. Do you ever feel to... bad about a class? Do I ever feel bad Do about? Do you ever a class? leave like going? Oh. Very seldom. Okay. Not so much anymore. Very seldom. And it's usually exactly what you were saying. The idea of why didn't they get it? It's like why wasn't I more malleable? Why wasn't I? You know. And and so the lesson that I get is the next week because I am able to teach so many classes on my own and what it is that I teach is the next teach I cl class I teach. I could say, oh, just listen to him, Dave. Just be present with him. And just remember that this is your opportunity to practice that presentness at this moment. And I'll let a scene go on, but if it starts to go off the rail, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, okay, good, 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 good. Stop right here. And try to pick it back up. I used to stop scenes and never pick them back up again because mm -hmm. it's like, you can't do that. But now I'm going to at least let the students try to get to a place where they Do you side coach? Oh, heavily. Okay, great. Heavily. And are people picking, picking that up? What's that mean? Side coaching. Like, are they getting it? Because yes. sometimes I'll have classes, yes. you know, because I don't know in Chicago if side, I know side coaching is, well, I don't even know if it's happening. Are we being around? What that's, is that? That's the school, school. across the street. Okay. <laughs> it's really great. Like, yeah. let's get to remind you, it's like, leave your lockers open. I don't leave know where they say that. Leave your lockers open. Yeah, because, it's, because that goes throughout the entire building. Why would Wait, they leave their lockers open? I don't know. A drug test okay. for grammar school kids? It really always makes me think like, Juden, Juden, right. where are you going? Stay in the car. You're like that. So anyway, uh, side coaching, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I think some, you know, like maybe uh, some people teach it and some people don't. Uh -huh. So there's a, sometimes you'll get a class and you're, you, it's just like they don't, they don't get the side coaching. I, for me, I feel like one of the greatest things, this is really going on long. Yeah, she this never, is, it's like I think she's like doing, this is LA, she's like doing a monologue. <laughs> exactly. We exactly. were in the park the other day and there was some guy, he, he was yelling and screaming and I thought, I said to my wife, he's either on the phone or he's doing, he's practicing a monologue. Uh-huh. You never know. And it could be both. Yeah. Practicing a monologue on the phone. Right, to his coach. Because you can, you can do it by Skype now. Oh, I was, I was at, uh, 
oh my God, this is so LA. And I don't know if this would happen in Chicago. I was at Blick Art Supply. Yes. It is an art supply, yeah, you know, yeah. It's a chain, you could trust him. Right. So Blick Art Supply, and I'm walking through, and I'm hearing this woman talking to her friend, and I'm in another aisle going, you have to say something to him. You've got to say something to him. We've been through this before, and you really need to um, stand up for yourself. And we've talked about it, and you just haven't done it. And then she comes around the corner, and she's talking to her cell phone. She's a therapist doing a session in Blick Art Supply, and for the fucking world to hear about it. Like, everything is out in the open now. Everything is out in the open. Well, I'm thinking, what kind of work ethic is, I mean, who, talk about a therapist who's not present. They're at Blick Art Supplies? Right. You know, buying stuff? How but, can they? But, but haven't you been in a situation where it's like, I gotta talk to my therapist right the fuck now. I gotta talk to, I gotta talk to my therapist now. Oh, so she, was, she wasn't she was a therapist. She was a therapist. Oh, that's, but, but it's like, she should have her license revoked, don't you think? I don't know. I kind of like the idea of if I need to talk to my therapist right now, I need to talk to my therapist right the fuck now. No, I agree. Do you, are you in therapy? I've been in therapy for a long time. Out here? Yeah. Yeah, I've been to therapy out here. Individual or, 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 or group? Individual. Okay. Individual. Okay. Uh, no, it's all okay. about me. It's all about me. <laughs> right. uh, uh, be, uh, behavior modification therapy. Um, I, I've been accused of... Uh, is that me? I've been accused of... Uh, or is it the school? Uh, that could be the school, Is it too. lunch there? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what's happening right now is everybody's listening to this is checking their iPhone. Okay. Um, I've been in therapy for a long time, and, and I've got friends who are telling me, like, right now, your therapist is just your friend. They're not your therapist anymore. <laughs> um, so I pay $32.50 for an hour of therapy um, because that's what it used to be when I had insurance, and then when it stopped, insurance stopped, he said, still pay me $32. Wait, I don't get it. Are your friends in therapy who are telling you that? No, 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 no. I, whenever I tell people, like, I go to therapy, it's not, my therapist is never like, I, I don't, it's not the, uh, we, I don't know if you've ever done behavior mod. Uh, I it's don't more, know. You know it's, like it's, a, it's really like this. It's like when you say somebody, I killed someone and I feel guilty about it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to the extreme. Right. Um, I think behavior modification is, okay, what if you didn't feel guilty about it? And you go, oh, oh okay. What could we do differently when you have that urge again to exactly. kill someone? To kill somebody. Are you present with that feeling that you right. have in that moment? And... So what? So so do something nice. Take a bath instead of <laughs> no. He would something. never say that. He would just say, "Okay, how does that feel? Okay, how does that feel?" And as I realized it, I always think that therapy is just you getting the fucking words out because sometimes there's this shit in your head. And and what I've because I've been doing therapy for a really long time. Even in back in Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And what I was realizing with therapy is therapy is like I got a jumble of things right. going on in my skull. And then you sit down and you tell your therapist I got a jumble of things in my skull. And you'll tell him and go, okay, great. We'll put this over there, and that I that that goes over here. You know, and this goes over here. And let's just deal with this one thing at this one time. And it goes back to what um, Donnie DePaula was saying. You know, where I said Don. I've got, I'm, I'm having trouble with my improvisation. He goes, okay, I, I said this, 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 and he stopped me and went, okay, let's just deal with one thing at a time. Because your inability to say yes is affecting your ability to forward the action of a scene. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. And I, 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 I don't know if you can see this, but being in therapy, mm -hmm. you can look at people and go, you know what? I'm going to try to get you somewhere, or we'll try to get somewhere together. Mm -hmm. But that issue is, it's almost like an outside issue. You're coming in with something that 
uh, maybe it's perfectionism. Maybe, you, you know, I see a lot of like, I want to do it right. Like, right. Ru- you know, especially people that are starting out. Right. And maybe they're at a couple of the institutions and they're studying with me at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they've got that like. Institutions I being schools, not institutions like. Being, yeah. Like, well, like a, I could get a fair amount of crazies too. But, uh-huh. uh, um, and it, uh, my, my program, insurance does cover it, uh, that they want to do it right, which is like perfectionism. And right. they're holding on to that. Right. And you, that's something that's, or, or I don't know if you've seen this, and it's, it's either people will come in drunk or hungover. Never, never. Okay, great. Or uh, the other thing is they're doing way too much. And you can yes. see it in their freaking eyes. Right. They are checked out. Right. And they're, they're they, they, they're not present. They're not present. Right. They're burnt out. Oh, oh yes. Yes. What I, what I say is the moment that I'm in a class, the first thing that I say is your personality is not allowed in the room. Whatever fucking issues you've got working on, it's not allowed in this space at all. Then I go back to what Martin said, which is this is a sanctuary. You, mm-hmm. you, cannot, you lose the right to judge yourself, which means that you lose the right, you, you, you gain, what do you lose the right to judge yourself? But what you gain is, is the ability to, to fail and to know that there is no failure. Whatever it is that you're doing wrong, in quotation marks, in air quotation marks, you're going to realize that you're doing it wrong is teaching you how to do it right. Yeah, that's a hard one for people to understand. I mean, it's taking... I don't let them go. I do not let them go. What do you mean you don't let them go? I don't let them go. If they say that's a hard thing for me to understand, I'm going to sit with them and they have to then pretend for me that they get it because I'm not going to fucking let them go. If I say, if I look at somebody and say, you are bringing your personality into this room because you really want to be a nice guy and everybody wants to think that you're a really nice fella. And in this scene, you know what I need for you to do? Murder somebody. And if you go to me, well, at one time, my, you know, my dad was accused of murder. It's like, I don't give a fuck who your dad is or that you were accused right. of murder. Right now, if I gave you the part of Ophelia to a woman, if I gave you the part of Ophelia, are you going to say, I really like this part, but my sister tried to kill herself. And so can we just take that part out? And I'm going, no, you're, a, you're an actor. And I need you at that moment to play that I don't give a fuck what happened in your past. Because your past is not allowed on the stage. Okay, but here's the thing that I think is. Mm-hmm. That person is hung up because of what their father did with the, the murder. My dad almost murdered. Uh-huh. So I remember, uh, and this came out of therapy. I was an independent film. Uh, and I said earlier in this interview, I'd been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. I'd been sexually abused by a school teacher uh-huh. when I was 14. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was holding on to a lot of that shame. I'm in therapy and whatever. All of a sudden, uh, I get cast in this independent film, and it was called um, uh, Stash. And it was about uh, people in the porno business. Uh, you know, when you, when you die, you, you're, you have all, you know, porno and stuff like that. When you die, they will come into your house. They'll take away all the porno, take away all the shame. So when your family comes... Uh, they, they can believe... They, there's they, a lie. Right. They took the, the shame away. <laughs> right. All right. So I was cast as a, uh, a clown of, uh, uh, clownophile. I, I was mistaken. I was obsessed with clowns. All right. I had in the in, in the part that I played in my basement. I had all these circus animals, clown stuff, and stuff like that. And I would go down in my basement, and I, I believe there was a scene where I was about to masturbate uh, to all this clown stuff. Uh-huh. All right. Now the 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 but everybody in the movie thought my character was a pedophile. Uh-huh. Okay, because I lived with my mom in a big house. I mean, pr- pretty pretty standard Chicago stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, Dave, I was like, I don't want to play this part. 
because of that. Right. I didn't want to play that part. Uh -huh. So I went to therapy and I talked about it. My therapist is like, no, this is healing. Go and do that part. Right. Because a part of you, when you're sexually abused, a part of you feels like they're a perpetrator. And right. a part of you feels like you're a victim. Right. So, you know, you're dealing with that. Right. And so that was, as much as I hated, it turned out to be a great part for me, actually, mm -hmm. but it was so healing. So right. I'm thinking with this guy, he, that that's like a huge block that he has. I understand, but I'm not gonna let him not do it because that happened in right, the past. Right, but is, but is there a different way to get him to do it? What do you mean? Well, okay, so he's saying... He's saying, some. my dad once was accused of murder. Okay, great. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with right now. Okay, what if you acknowledge it? Okay, I hear you, I, I I'm, I'm acknowledging it, I'm not saying don't or right. get over it, I'm saying right now that doesn't matter. Okay. Because you, anybody that's coming to my class, they, this, their scene is not about them. Mm -hmm. Their scene is about the two of them. Their scene is about the connection that the two people have at that moment. And if I'm walking into a scene and I'm knowing Jimmy had this history, I am, then, uh, I am then putting a governor on where I can go with this scene, and I have to constantly be checking myself to make sure that I don't say anything Okay, wrong. so I'm just trying to figure this out together, and maybe I'm you know, trying to force my agenda onto you. Well, no, but you say What do you feel about your dad killing himself? Now, is I, that becoming too therapeutic? No, uh, yes, that would be, because okay. right now, uh, what, what do you feel about it? doesn't matter because my partner in that moment doesn't care any of the forensics okay, of how Okay, what if he it. says, you know what, I feel like shame. I feel total shame. I okay. would say, what does your partner want you to feel right now? Does your partner want you to feel shame? Because that's really what has to okay. happen right now. In an improv scene. Okay. I, I need you to tell me who I am. That's oh, what interesting. I do. Okay. I need you. So I walk into a scene and you go, Jerry, you're late. Okay. And I go, okay, I get to play a guy who's late. Okay. All right? But you know when I, when I hear Jerry, you're late? My dad's name is Jerry. Now, do I come in and say, "Wait a minute, my dad's name is Jerry. I'm not Jerry." My dad's no, but name I mean, is. but I mean that—that's not like a huge. I'm using that as an example. Right. If you want to bring in your past, then I get to bring all that shit in. Right. Ah, I don't know. I think sometimes there's opportunities to get 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 through it. I see. I'm not saying don't get through it. Right. I'm not saying we got to give give it up. I'm right. saying I need you in because. And, I, and do the students drop it? Maybe you Yeah, know. they drop it. Okay. They drop it because I go, I'm not interested in your personality. Okay. I'm not interested in, in that at all. And here's one of the reasons. I think that one of the things is it's because I'm in L.A. Uh -huh. and, peop and there's a professional ethic in L.A. and in New York where someone wants to be able to be cast in any role that they think that they can get. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to play a part, you, you surrender all that stuff. If you're going to play a killer... You're going to surrender all of it in order to get the part. Do you understand what I mean? I totally understand. And so right now, I'm looking at you saying, you're going to let that thing in your past stop you from moving this career forward or your artistic vision forward or your, your acting engagement and your acting forward? Because when I hand out a resume, I'm not also handing out all my bullshit that I've got. These are the great shows that I'm proud of. I've had roles in all these parts, but I'm not also gonna say I'm afraid of the dark and I can't eat uh, avocados or coconut because it's too high in fat. I'm not gonna fucking introduce that to you at all. I'm gonna say, these are the parts that I can play and you know what, you, what you're offering me right now? I'm gonna fucking grab that job and give it to me. Give it, fucking give it to me. See, this is where this is where I, I trip up in, in teaching and getting better. Uh, is I teach a certain way, you teach a certain way. Mm -hmm. That what works for me. I mean, that's your you know your experience, my experience. Mm -hmm. 
but what trips me up is like, okay, maybe what Dave is saying is right. No. You know? Yeah. But, but really, what Dave's saying is, it works for Dave. Right. And it probably, a part of it could work for Jimmy, but... Right. But I, I... Something that I've just offered you works for you. Right. It, you know, you take what you want and you throw the rest of it away. Right. Like, I am not a Demodian, and you know how many Closians there are, Del Closian, <laughs> yeah. and I go... More than, more than I think that actually studied with Del, don't no you? No doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt about it. But I, I hear people saying, well, Del would do this. It's like, fucking, who, who knows what Del would do? Right. Del didn't even know what he would, he would do, <laughs> nor would he remember what he right. would do. Maybe he would. I don't know. But I do know that take what you want and throw the rest right. of it away. But why, I, why am I so invested in you having, you know, like us coming to some sort of common ground because that's not going to, that doesn't serve not, the work. I because you, are, I don't know. I can't right. tell you that. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> I do know that when, when I talk to other teachers, I'm, I, one of the things that I think is like, oh, he approaches or she approaches that in her way. Now, there are things that cross over mm -hmm. when I look at what, what Susan does, there's a passion that Susan has that I have as well. When I look at what Susan does, there's there's the word fuck, and we both share that word fuck a lot. I'm, you know, uh, uh, when I look at what Mick does, there's a focus that Mick has that I love what he does. There's other things that I don't care for what he does. When I think of Gary Austin, who's one of my teachers, I go, who's one of the teachers that I work with? He started the ground links. I go, I like what he does here. I don't care what he does there, and that's okay. But it's a, it's a motherfucking cornucopia out there. And if I want to close my mind off to what certain things that you offer, great. What I don't understand, I don't have to teach. What do you mean you don't have to teach? What I don't understand, I don't have to teach. If you're, right. if you're saying something to me like, Dave, well, you know, all these other things like this shame thing and right. can you talk about one of these? I don't, I, don't, I, don't get, I don't understand that right now. It's not to say that it's stupid. It's just that I don't understand it right now and it has nothing to do with your inability or ability to get that through to me. Like right now, we need more time than this and I right. need to see it in practice. But I'm going to walk away saying, ah, oh, Jimmy has a different approach. Do I know what the approach is? No, not right now, mm -hmm. but he has a different approach. Mm -hmm. What do I know? Because again, that's that Venn diagram. I know that he's passionate, he's focused, and 95% of what he's experiencing, I'm experiencing. So how well. do we, as teachers, become better teachers? Like I, you know, like... I, I never become, I never want to become a better teacher. Well, I hear, you know, Dave, Dave, how do you feel about when people say Dave Rosowski is a guru? I Are have no, I, this is it. Okay. What they... And this is the hardest thing to learn, right. man. What they think about me is none of my business. That's really hard. That's easy to say. It's hard to, to put in practice. One day you're going to get it and you're never going to let it go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. One day you're going to get that. And I, that's what I wish to most people is one day, if, you're, if there's one concept to get, there's probably three. One of them is <laughs> what other people think about me is none of my business. Because if they say, if I'm going to jump into Dave Rosowski's a guru and go, that's true, then I also have to go, Dave Rosowski's a, con a, a controlling, manipulative person. I don't know anybody that's saying that. But right. I, I, why don't I believe that too? Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. They're both not true. When I'm, and I, I might have mentioned it before in this, when I think about, um, I'm on stage with somebody and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to say something really funny right now. And I go, and then I say that funny thing and the audience doesn't laugh. This is what I think. I think right now they are stunned at how awesome I am. And they're just looking at me and they're just thinking, what a great guy this guy is. So they're not laughing because they're thinking about the great jobs that I've had and all that. Which is not true.
But if I want to engage in something, I can easily engage in, oh, that was so stupid. I'm not a good actor. I'm not funny anymore. I've lost it. I've lost it. I've lost it. Both of them aren't true. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. And so I just go, well, that happened, and that happened, and that happened. And whatever you say, you know, where you say, I don't get it, it's like, that's okay. Or if you want to, it doesn't matter to me. And sometimes it does matter to me, but it's a practice. And for the most part, I'll listen to what you're saying, and I'll go, okay, you said that. Do I believe that? Do, am I wrapping my head around it? Yeah. Am I wrapping my head around it? No. I just, I just, I want to keep learning because to me, that's what makes it exciting. Like, okay, that's different than wanting to be a good teacher or better teacher. Because better, what's better? Better means nothing. Better compared to what? Why is there any comparison? If you want to keep learning, that's something different. Because I don't know what better is. It's the same word as trying. I don't know what either of those words mean. I really don't. Now, where do you get all this? Your, your, uh, is this more therapy or is this more uh, your philosophies? It's, it's therapy, it's philosophy, but it also wraps itself around mindfulness and presentness. The uh -huh. idea that whatever it is that I bring into my life, that's what I hold on to. Mm -hmm. And the realization was that what I'm holding on to right now, if I'm holding on to anger, I have to realize I'm holding on to anger. Oh, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I can let that go and hold on to something else. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's a matter of practicing. Of every opportunity that I have to practice, I practice it. You sounded like Mick for a second. Well, does, does that, that make sense? sense? That's a Martin thing, too. Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, Mick and Martin, I mean, it's amazing, because I think Mick, I don't know if you agree on this, Mick is a genius, don't you think? I don't usually use that phrase. Really? Why? Because no. I don't, I think that he's got some good ideas. <laughs> Um, I really like what he does, um, but I don't know if he's a genius. I don't know what that means. Van Cliburn just died. Van Cliburn died a couple days ago. I don't ago. know Van Cliburn. Van Cliburn. Van Cliburn was a piano player who, during the Cold War, was in his early 20s, Texan, mm -hmm. six foot four, went to the Soviet Union and did a Russian a music, a musical um, competition. Mm -hmm. And this is the height of the Cold War. And he... If you watch him, if you because uh, he just died two days ago, if you watch him, this guy was thinking on a, on a subatomic, just an unbelievable level, and you watch his work and you see the way that he connected. That's a genius. But I don't know. You don't think anyone in improv or comedy is a genius? No. Really? I don't. Why? I don't know that I know what that word means. I look at somebody like Dave Pasquese and yes. I go, I love his fucking work. Is he a genius? I don't know. I don't know what that word means. And I think it's bandied about. I think it's thrown about in, in ways that I don't know. What do I love? I love, I love, I love David's mind. I love that he's a repository for so much information. I love how grounded he is. I love how present he is. I love how mindful he is. I love all those things. Is he a genius? I don't know. But then again, I've, I don't know that I've studied with Mick. Mick and I grew up together. Right. So I've always seen him as just being that guy. Is he a genius? I, I, he, I don't know. I think Mick and I... I'm, I'm not denying him. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not debasing him right yeah. now. Yeah. Because I love him. I love his work. I love his directing. I love the way that he connects with people. I love his personality. I love his flaws. I love, you know, all this fucking... I love his honesty. But I think Mick, you know, looking back, because you were at the Annoyance... Well, yes. you were at the Annoyance. You did Metroform, which then became the Annoyance. Yes. And I think, did you just do some of the real-life Brady Bunch, too? Yes. Okay. And then, then you went and were hired by Second City. Yes. Um, I was hired by Second City prior to real-life Brady Bunch. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget, you and Carell, do you remember this? You were hired as understudies. 
And it, didn't it take a long time for you guys to get into the- Oh, there's the... an amazing story about that. We were in, uh, 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 Michael Gelman uh -huh. said that we were, uh, we were hired. And Carell and I would go to all the rehearsals and we'd sit there with notebooks, like good students. And one time, Joyce walked by through the main stage and she gave us a look and I thought, that's an interesting look. And then the next, that day later on, Wendell McClure calls us up on the phone and says, Wendell was like the stage, stage manager. Yeah, and wants to, uh, Wendell says, we want to talk to you. And we're like, oh, oh, great. We're going to be cast. And so the next morning we went to Joyce's office. Joyce wasn't there. And Wendell said, uh, no, the conference room. And Wendell closed the door and said, um, you were never cast. I'd fire you, but you were never cast. You to never had a you. job. And Carell and I went, what? You never had a job. Like, but Michael Gelman said, like, Michael doesn't cast anybody. You're not cast. Don't come around to rehearsals anymore. Like, what? And we walked out and remember Carell and I on Wall Street going, what the fuck just happened? What just happened? And Steve went home and he, later on he called me up and he said, I wrote a letter to Joyce and I want to read you the letter. And he wrote me, he read me the letter and he made some changes in the letter a little bit. And the letter was, we had no idea that was happening. We would not have come. I do not want this to be the thing that makes it so that we'll never work here again. Uh, and essentially, we humble ourselves to you. That was a really smart move. Fucking huge, great move. I mean, for someone that young to figure that out. <clears throat> oh my God, oh my God. But Steve was so focused right. at that moment. And both of us, and, and, and we both signed our names to this letter, and Joyce got it, and two weeks later, we're hired. I owe Steve Carell so much. I owe him so much. Because if that didn't happen, I would have walked away. I would have walked away. And I remember when you guys got hired, it was such a big deal because you were, you were my first coach, I think, at the I.O. Yes, yes. And, and, you Did know, we do Life in a Seltzer Bottle too? Yes, you, yes, you directed that. With, uh, with Brian McCann, who I just interviewed. Brian McCann, uh, Pete Gardner. Dave Keckner, Madeline Long. Madeline Long. Uh, James Grace. Uh, Mark Levinson on Mark Canada. Levinson, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. And you did a great scene in, 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 in a... Uh, you did a bunch of great scenes. I really thought Second City was going to hire me. I loved what you did, Jimmy. Yeah. I thought I loved what you did. I, Thank I you. love that show. That show was great, and you're a great writer. Thank like you. you. you I, washing dishes they, scene. Well, there's a scene about washing dishes or something. Okay. I don't remember. But anyway. um, but I remember Joyce and Cheryl came to see that show and, you know, nothing happened. Well, yeah, expectations. But getting back to the, to the annoyance, you were there, uh, you were there, you had, you had, uh, you had, you, you just got hired by Second City. In Terry Company. Yeah. And, I, and, and Mick, getting to the Mick thing, it was like, it had to be hard for him because, I'm going to use the guru word, but here's this guy at like, he probably was no, he probably wasn't much older than 28 or 29 mm -hmm. and he'd already been I, I think people had put him up as a guru yeah you know he was he was directing yeah he was directing he wasn't even cast in the touring company and he was directing up there and he's up there and uh, uh, auditioning mm -hmm. and Joyce says um, very good very good uh, and uh, and Cheryl said we'd really liked you and Joyce said uh, to Cheryl something like how do we know how do we know him and uh, Joyce said to Cheryl, how do we know him? And Cheryl said, Mom, he works for us. Like, Joyce didn't even know that he was 
directing. But I mean, I think when you look back, you know, because the annoyance really in the eighty, the early nineties with the Real Life Brady Bunch uh -huh. and people going to Saturday Night Live and Andy Richter and Beth yeah. Sol about Jill Soloway with Betty Cahill, Beth Cahill and, uh -huh. and Melanie Hutzel. It and, and I mean, it happened really fast. Right. And Mick was really elevated, and people were. I mean, we were like a little afraid of him. And right. Now you were a peer of him because you had performed with him at well, I.O. Well, we started, he and I were looking for places to move the, to move Metroform for mm -hmm. a home. And then I got cast. And then I said, I can't do this anymore. So he and I, we looked at, we looked at spaces together. We looked at spaces together. It's crazy. We got to stop. Okay. Oh, fuck, Jimmy. That was good. That was God really God damn it, man. Is this how we ended? We ended. Okay. We just ended. Sometimes there's a button. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rozowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.